can have the best skincare routine. You can be sleeping on a silk pillowcase. You can be eating an organic diet, but if you're not digesting your food well, if your stress is sitting out of, of a nine out of 10, like, like I said, right, management upstairs is not happy with the situation downstairs. So your skin is not going to play ball. Hey, I'm Alana Bonneman, naturopath and holistic nutritionist. This podcast is dedicated to reclaiming your health by harnessing yourself as your biggest asset. Get ready because this is where we stand up for your body's ability to heal, go against outdated norms and say yes to change. Creating true and lasting success all from the inside out. Thank you so much for being here. This is the Health After 30 podcast and let's get started. Hello and welcome to the podcast today. My guest is Lindsay Braid, a highly experienced and accomplished naturopath based out of Sydney, Australia. Lindsay specializes in women's health and has a particular interest in treating acne. With over 10 years of experience in this field, she's helped countless women overcome a variety of health challenges and to achieve optimal wellness. I am so excited to have colleague, friend, and excellent naturopath Lindsay with us on the show today. Thank you so much for being here, Lindsay. I am excited to see you again, Alana. It's great to be here. It is really nice to be here. (laughs) Lindsay and I have worked together back in the day in Sydney. Oh, we actually started as colon therapists together. And then we worked in practice together as well. Yeah. Like that was what, like 12, how long ago? 10 years ago? A decade ago, maybe. Oh gosh. Yes. Has flown. Yes, it has. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> or when you're having kids, like one or the other. Something happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now 10 years later, you have really from from women and really PCOS, you've kind of really filtered down into treating acne. And we talk about this a lot. I used to also be yeah. in the skin scene and this has always been a topic of interest for both of us and something that's really evolved and you've really just honed in and gone on it. And today we want to talk about adult acne in mm. in particular, because on average, like how many people are affected by adult acne? Well, something like I was reading, like something like 10% worldwide, but that's dependent on your age group. So there's even some studies saying that of your teenage years, 75 to 95% of all teens will be impacted at some point with acne, Mm -hmm. which is, which is madness, right? Like, and, and that's, I guess, one thing to point out is it's really considered a Westernized skin disorder. It is the most prevalent skin disorder in the Western countries, you know, Western world. And there's even instances um, in Inuit communities. Um, I was reading about a physician who worked with an Inuit community for over 30 to 40 years as they kind of acclimatized almost into a different culture with the introduction of Westernization. And he said prior to that point, there was no instances of acne whatsoever, mm. even in teens, right? And and same for um, an area in Brazil. So when you look at how high it is for the Western world, you know, up to 100% of all teens, like at some point a teen is going to get acne, right? Whereas, you know, uh, Inuits, no, and then Brazilian community, 2.7%, which is nothing, right? So what's happening? So, what's happening? What is happening, right? Like it's, there is just so much interesting stuff I was reading about the prevalence of acne, like even, which I find really interesting, tall, white, pale men are more likely to have acne. Mm. Single single children 
So one parent house, you know, one child household are more likely to have acne. Um, children from a family that are well educated more likely to have acne. Like it, it, it's a really interesting disease, and I think there's so much to unpack with that, mm. right? That is really a really interesting statistic. And there must be an underlying current to all of that, right? Like there must be a a crossover which is happening specifically to that. Like what's the what's the key to that? Oh, I think what are we doing wrong? Yeah, what are we doing wrong? I think we're stressed and we're not eating properly. Hmm. Which, you know, you could whether you're talking to someone about women's health or migraines or recurrent infections, what what could we agree on with the Western world? We're all really stressed. We don't prioritize really self-care. And, you know, our version of self-care is running a bath versus hmm. creating a life that we don't want to escape from. And so, you know, if you can think back to these other cultures that don't have the incidence, are they on email at 6 a.m.? Are they smashing Slurpees after school? You know, probably no, probably not. Right. So, yeah, and, and it is really interesting. I think studies with stuff like acne, it's just really difficult, right, because it's acne is multifactorial. And I think the best analogy, I see a lot of clients and they say, but why now? Why why do I have acne now? I skated through my teens, you know, and in particular with adult acne, you know, I had one spot on my forehead. I had nothing. Mm. Why now? Yeah. And I feel like acne, and, and you could recall this because you also did a lot of stuff in skin and you were well into skin way before me. And, you know, you used to say to me, and, and it's true at uni, lecturers would say, good luck to anyone who works in skin, right? Because mm. it's the first thing that tells us when we're doing something wrong, but it's also the last thing to get better. So you yeah. need patience and you need time and you need consistency. Yeah. So I guess, you know, when it comes to acne and, and the whys and the buts, I feel like it's that that multifactorial picture, right? It's a, a diet that kind of goes a bit astray. It's maybe getting gastro. It's maybe having a course of antibiotics, potentially coming off birth control, going on birth control, mm. having babies, you know, all this stuff is almost like a perfect storm. And for some people, what tips over the edge is their skin, right? Like yeah. we, even, we even have receptors in our skin that will react to the stress response, causing us to produce thicker sebum and stickier sebum and increased sebum. So I think the prevalence of acne is probably just going to keep getting worse. Um, Yeah. So why do some people, would you say like, why do some people get it and some people don't later in years? Is there a correlation between, because, you know, some people say, I never had it when I was a teenager and now all of a sudden I do have it. Like what's the correlation there? I feel like for my demographic, I'm probably seeing women from the age of 25 to maybe 35, so that kind of 10-year era. And I think if you look back to that generation, which is just, you know, just shy of our generation, a big thing was oral contraceptives, right? Like in high school, the smallest spot, and and this is a common theme I hear in clinic, clients will go, I was put on the pill and it wasn't that bad then. I was put on the pill and I didn't know. I thought it was the cure-all and, you know, you spend all that time in your teens and your 20s trying to avoid pregnancy that the pill looks like a really cool option. So I think for a lot of women, they're just not in tune with their hormones. And so we have a large subset of women going through almost puberty in their 20s as they come off birth control. And this, this acne is not a physiological result in you. It's a reaction to a drug withdrawal, mm. you know, with, with those big birth control pills, Yaz, Yasmin, Brenda, Diane, the harder you push something down, the higher it bounces up when you come off the pill. And, and so that's the same with androgens, right? And 
you know, you're seeing more and more women coming off birth control, um, you know, increased prevalence in the diagnosis of PCOS as we become more aware. And I think, it, you know, maybe it's just the perfect storm. Mm. Because and I guess everyone yeah. also has like their one thing for some people it might be gut issues or 100%. for some people it might be in their skin. And so everyone's got like a, yeah, yeah. Everyone's got a thing, you know, and if you think back to iridology at uni, remember you'd look into people's eyes and they'd like find the weakness, you know, because mm. everyone's got a weakness, you know, where are the fibers parting and what's taking their energy? Like what happens to me when I get run down, I get tonsillitis, mm. rain, hail, or shine, I get run down to my tonsils. Some yeah. people it's recurrent thrush. Yeah. Some people it's the skin. I think, unfortunately, if someone's sitting opposite you with recurrent thrush, you have no idea, right? Yeah. Probably, I hope, I don't know, maybe got their pants on. Whereas, unfortunately, <laughs> someone with acne, where does acne occur? It's mm. on your face. Nice. Like you you can't hide it. And so I think that also we're, we're more, we, we can see acne, right? You can't mm-hmm. see a heavy period. You can't see period pain. So it is more in our face. Yeah. Um and it's interesting, I was um, at a seminar this week and they were saying that, you know, Australians spend more than Europeans and Americans on acne and skincare, interestingly enough. In and total, the 22 million of us are like Australians. Yeah, I think per person, yeah. Yeah, wow. I, I need to find the exact statistics, but a lot of the theory was about the sun here. Mm, um, okay. You know, it's so intense, it's skin damaging, more of an anti-aging thing. But, yeah, it's interesting. Mm, yeah i mean skincare is a massive part of it as well because what you're saying when something's on your face that's you know that is what is shown to the outside world this is what actually got me into skin in the first place because you know your whole entire like self is kind of shaken when you feel a certain way but your skin is not agreeing with you and it's looking a certain way it really it really hits the emotions doesn't it and you probably see this in your clients as well like having an emotional kind of blockage just because of what their skin is presenting and so of course the first thing we think of is like okay topically like how do I get this out yeah cover it up or like how am I cleaning it and getting rid of it and doing all that yeah and and you're right like the comorbidity between acne and depression and anxiety even um the rates of unemployment are higher with people who have acne than people Mm. who don't have acne and and it does knock your self-confidence and it's really interesting in this seminar is that recently they were talking about primal behavior and they call it the disgust rating and it comes back to I know see your eyebrows like (laughs) I was just mortified and I should share this study and you can chuck it in the show notes because I was like no wonder people with skin conditions have such an issue and it's actually a, a primal thing that we pick up if someone's unwell if they're pale if they're not if they've got some type of bacteria or skin mm. thing, it's almost like an evolutionary purpose. And so I think because of that, acne, psoriasis, dermatitis, dandruff, um, melasmas, dandruff, yes. Mm. You know, people say that and they're like, ew, yuck. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had pretty bad acne, but I remember having it in uni and I always cover my face. I would be mm. so aware of it that I would sit like this acting really interested yeah and I'd be like I'm just actually covering my acne because it looks gross yeah you know and and you'd be checking it in the mirror so yeah I think it totally makes sense the amount of money people spend to get to get rid of it and put stuff on it yeah it's a massive industry isn't it so you as a specialist Linz how let's let's walk people through this so someone's come in with you uh into you with with as an adult with acne What's the first, like, what's the first um, line of things that you kind of have to check and then have to walk through? 
So like I think the first protocol and I've gotten probably more and more specific on this as the years go by is I'm I'm big on testing and not that extensive testing of hair tissue mineral analysis and stool analysis and food allergies. I've actually dialed back to just simple blood tests. You know, what are things looking like behind the scenes? And you'd know this, I'm sure, with a lot of your speakers and, you know, you and I constantly will talk about energy and what's going on and, you know, energy as an analogy. If someone says to you, hey, I'm tired, you know, when are you tired? What time of the day? Yeah, you can get an idea if it's cortisol, but, a, you know, a B12 and an iron and a cortisol picture and a DHA, it, it'll, it can all kind of look the same. And so the same goes for acne, um, especially with adult acne women. It's typically has a hormonal component and we've got hundreds of hormones and they all interact, you know, they're like a an orchestra. Mm-hmm. And so the first thing I often do is, is get really good blood work done. And a lot of people haven't had that done unless they've had a baby or they've tried for a baby. Some women have been on off birth control, kind of funky periods. And so always running blood tests. So, and I guess that big thing is, you know, with your hormones, when something's up or something's down, unless you can see it on paper, when you're looking at treatment, you can actually make things worse. Um, mm. You know, there's some really popular herbs that are used in skin, but depending which way you're luteinizing hormone sways, we can make things really bad or we can make things really good. So mm. with that in mind, I guess by the time people have come to see me, they're, they're, they're over it. They want clear skin. They don't want to be dicked around with heaps of restrictive diets and stuff. They want to know now, what do I need to do? So mm. we run some blood tests, take a diet diary, you know, list any other random, interesting, quirky symptoms that their body's got, do a case history, you know, and kind of pull together a bit of a picture. So you get most of your answers from when did my acne start? What makes it better? What makes it worse? And what else was going on at that time? You know, if someone comes to you and said, oh, I had perfect skin until I got really bad gastro and I did a heap of antibiotics and my skin was just never the same. I've got mm. bloating, I'm constipated. You know, it's, it's going to be that gut picture. Mm. If someone said, you know, I came off birth control or I've got lots of facial hair, um, I've got PCOS, um, I'm really stressed, you know, you're going to be thinking, oh, what's going on here behind the hormones? So it's mm. kind of that combination of, yeah, what are my, what are my bloods telling me? And then also what's the person telling me? Mm, and then a bit of an investigation and in your bloods because you kind of can get a general blood test done but then I'm guessing you'd have to ask for specific things right is there anything specific yeah. that one would have to kind of investigate further into in a blood sure. 100% so what you really want to test is your nutritional markers first and foremost so what's my iron doing you know and for mums iron's a big one right we, we talk about that all the time and it's energy and and a lot of people I would say it's the most common supplement people know about Iron's responsible for every single liver detox pathway. So that's moving through, if you vape, recreational drugs, pharmaceuticals, chemicals in your skincare, your hormones. So you need good iron levels. So checking iron studies. Uh, If someone's plant-based, a lot of the nutrients we find in meat overlap to skin. So looking at vitamin A, zinc studies, uh, iodine, copper ratio. So again, really helpful for skin, really helpful Mm. for hormones. When it comes to hormones, you want to, again, so so talk to the person, you know, what's going on for you at the moment. I think, you know, if I had 10 women, you know, five of them would say they're stressed and five would say, no, I handle it well. But I guess, you know, I think probably eight have high cortisol or low cortisol on their results. So looking at your stress hormones, mm. cortisol, D-H-E-A-S. Cortisol is released, you know, whether it's an actual stressor, so I'm going to get hit by a bus or I have to pick the kids up at daycare this afternoon. I'm not going to get my work done. I've forgotten something at the grocery store. You know, that constant Mm. harm releases cortisol, as we know. 
Cortisol, like I said before, impacts your skin receptors. Then we've also got DHEAS, also rele released by your adrenal glands, converts to testosterone and estrogen. So this is where stress plays into those androgen hormones. And boosting you that know, testosterone and then the sebum and does that have it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of loops around. And um, so, and, you know, I think it's really good to remember that your sex hormones are your top tier hormones that they're like um, the CEO of the company. So while it's really good to bog down into your sex hormones, you, you need to go, but who's running the show here, right? Like if I'm getting chased by a lion, lion like my body does not want to procreate. My body does not want to ovulate. Shut like down. it just wants to survive. survive. Yeah, mm. yeah, exactly. And so you start with your sex hormones and your stress hormones, sorry, and then you look at sex hormones. So what's my testosterone, estrogen? Am I ovulating? Am I mm. ovulating easily? So they're kind of what you're looking at. So sex, stress, nutrients. Nutrients. Uh, Is it hard yeah, to get that? Like, could you just stroll into the doctor and be like, hey, I want to get all these tested? Or is it kind of you need to really have a case of why you need to get them tested? Yeah, 100%. So GPs will do, you know, cholesterol, insulin. Um, I feel like women, though, and I'm sure I was reading a New York Times article on this, the, the, the lack of testing, right? Like it's, especially when it comes to women's hormones, it just doesn't get done. Um, mm. I think with skin in the last 18 months, I feel like doctors are pushing back um, in Australia very much. So I have clients in India and United Arab Emirates. They seem to be able to get testing done pretty easy. But mm. here, no, not at all. You know, you've got to really have a thick skin and you've got to really almost prove your case to your GP to want to get these bloods done. In, yeah. in saying that, you know, sometimes a GP is fabulous and they listen and they're happy you're seeing an naturopath and, you know, they'll they'll do everything we want to see. But often it's a case of me writing a referral alongside the GPs to capture everything. Yeah, yeah. It can be hard, huh? Especially if you've got like an old traditional, like an old traditional yeah. doctor who's just like, no. Go on the pill. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've come here for acne and I've got a list of tabs. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Just hop back on the pill. You'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. What are you doing here? Just take an antibiotic. And, and that's probably the disconnect. Doctors are like, I have a solution. Just take yeah. it. What's yeah. your problem? Yeah. Um. So that lack of empathy, you know, it doesn't help as well. Like, you know, you already think this person's stressed, they're upset, you know, they're probably sad about it. We just talked mm. about the disgust level score that they've discussed. Mm. And then, you know, your doctor's going, just take an antibiotic. So unhelpful. No. And like, well done for anyone who goes outside their GP's office and goes, no, I'm going to try something else. Like, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Having the kind of, um, that's what I'm looking for, like being brave enough to do that. Because sometimes yeah. when you have a doctor saying, hey, this is a solution, you'll be fine. Yeah. Go on this. It's like, yeah. oh, like that trust, like, am I? Should I do something? Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. Like you know, your doctor's like dropping a diamond right in your lap. Take it. We'll fix yeah. your skin. You know, mm. I think, and you probably see this a lot though. Women, I think, are more aware now of what their bodies are capable of doing, and a lot of people are moving away from that whole suppression mm. bandaid approach. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's just not sustainable. So if we think about like these teens um, and also, I guess you know, like what you talked about before, the teens with like, like stress and diet. They're two mm. massive lifestyle factors, which obviously affect adolescence, but they're also still with us in adulthood. Yeah. So when we think about these lifestyle factors, like what are the, I mean, other than like, when you say diet, there's a lot probably going on there. Um, what can we, like, what are effective ways, I guess, to, to combat that? Like, sorry, that's not the right word I'm looking for, but like no, what, are what are effective ways to kind of, yeah, implement 
Man, yeah, managing yeah. acne through health and lifestyle. And and you're one hundred percent right. Like honing in on digestion and nutrition. And stress, right? Like that's so often say to clients, you can have the best skincare routine. You can be sleeping on a silk pillowcase. You can be eating an organic diet. But if you're not digesting your food well, if your stress is sitting out of, of a nine out of 10, like like I said, right, management upstairs is not happy with the situation downstairs. So your skin is not going to play ball. So I think if, and I often say to clients before they see me, or I talk a lot about it on social media, if you're not going to see a naturopath yet, but you want to start doing stuff for your skin. The biggest thing I would say is insulin resistance. And so the way that links back to our diet is, you know, we had this drummed into us at uni. Where's the protein? Where's the protein? Where's the protein? Where's the protein? <laughs> left my oh, degree no. knowing I had to eat protein. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I left uni knowing I needed, you know, protein. And so with, with acne, um, with general population for women, we say 1.5 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. With acne, they say you need to sit around 120 grams, which is a lot of protein. What does and that look so, like in a meal? What could that look like you know, in a meal? You know, um, lunch maybe. Have so let's say day on a plate type thing. So, you know, breakfast, we have these seeded crackers here that are seven grams, which is insanely high. So you're having two seeded gram crackers. You've hit 14 grams. You've put two <laughs> eggs on them. You're up to 28. You've thrown some avocado and some microgreens. You might have hit somewhere around 30 grams. You're still, you've still got 90 to do. So, you know, that's looking at a mid-morning snack that's got some nuts and some fruit. Maybe you've got five grams. That's looking at lunch where you've got a palm-sized serve of chicken or, you know, you know, palm to fingers of fish or some beef, and that'll hit you around 30 grams. So you're eating a fair portion each meal. You know, you're really thinking of your food. Um, I lean on protein powders now because I think it's really efficient difficult. Way. Yeah, and there's some good clean stuff out there, whether you're plant-based or whether you're, you know, into steaks, you can get some really good clean protein powders that just will give you 30 grams. Mm. So often, you know, and it's also food on the run, right? Making things easy. So not all clients hit 120 grams, but if you can just match your body weight for protein, that that's a really good starting good start. point. Yeah, that's a really um, important one. Oh, just so much so. And even later down the track, you know, perimenopause, it's 2.2 times your body weight. Oh, oh, oh God. You know, like that's like it's... nailing a cow every day. You know? <laughs> <gasps> wow. That's a no, lot. It's like you just get your head around teenage years, post-pill acne, pregnancy, having kids, and then we're into perimenopause. I'm like, oh, my God. This is <laughs> the uniqueness of women, I think, because men, yeah, they kind of go through adolescence and then <laughs> they're old men woman for example it's like you're a young girl you go through adolescence and then you kind of get out of that and then you go to the stage where you you could you know not everyone obviously has children but it's like you're at that birthing age so whether you had children or not you have that feeling and then mm. after that's like okay and now menopause and then at some yep. point you will be a little old lady at the end of that yep. <laughs> it's like there's it's this constant isn't it constant 100%. fluctuation i know it's spicy it does something, doesn't it? And like when a man comes into a clinic, I'm like, oh, oh, he's just got testosterone. This is great, you know. Whereas a woman comes in, I'm like, oh, God, we're pulling all it together, you know. We've got to think about all these hormones and life stages and what's going on. So, um, so yes, for women with acne, thinking about diet, it's insulin resistance. And so insulin resistance pertains to the way in which your body reacts when you're eating carbohydrates. Having a carbohydrate on its own is like a beach ball, right? It's really easy to absorb. It's simple. It's instant energy and fuel, which we need. 
but it can cause your insulin levels to surge. What you do within an hour of waking in your morning will set your insulin for the next five hours of the day. So no coffee on an empty tummy. You know, the most important thing is waking up, eating within an hour of waking and having some form of protein. And that mm. just kind of sets your day off. When you're having these carbs, they're so important, right? Like that's the only fuel our brain uses, but you need to put a protein, which is like a puzzle, really complex, or you need to put a fat, which is really big to just slow that gastric emptying. Mm. So it's just about looking at your meals and going, do I have some fat? Do I have some fiber? Do I have some protein? Do I have something to offset my carb? Mm. The reason that's so important is insulin drives inflammation. Inflammation drives insulin and they go in this lovely little seesaw. So whether you have eczema or arthritis or acne you need to be understanding how can i stop that inflammatory process in my body mm-hmm. um the inflammatory like- process looking exactly like red swollen Hot. warm yeah, yeah exactly what you yeah. see in acne yeah yeah exactly that real heat that real you know the body's trying to do its job it's just getting it's just running its course a little bit too much so managing insulin levels you know movement yes Insulin also drives sebum, right? Drives, yeah. So when your insulin is increased, it irritates your ovaries to produce more testosterone. So more testosterone, thicker, stickier sebum. So mm. again, when we talk about like management with our hormones, a lot of people say to me, my testosterone's high. And I'm like, but it didn't just decide to be high. Talk to me what's going upstream. What pushes testosterone? Insulin resistance and stress. So yes, we want to talk about some herbs and stuff to block those testosterone levels, but we need to manage your stress. Yeah. Otherwise this is constantly going to be pushing it up. It'll just keep going. So um, yeah. So protein with every meal, movement after food, keeping coffee or sugar as desserts or after meals, Mm. Um, apple cider vinegar can reduce an insulin spike by 35%. So if you know you're going out dinner, you know, you need something that's not so favorable, you know, have some apple cider vinegar, walk to dinner, walk home if it's Mm. safe and you can do so like just little things like that. Um, the other one that I think everyone probably hears, are you drinking enough water? Do you drink enough water? Have you had any water? Yeah. So I know I'm drowning in it. Thank you. So yeah, like two to three liters of water. I know it sounds like such one, but no one drinks water. Like 80% of people are dehydrated or something, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. some crazy stuff. Isn't it? It's so easy to forget. Mm. What else would I say? Dietary things. Oh, and then the obvious stuff, you know, reducing your not obvious i shouldn't say that it's you know when you you just just like your life is thinking about protein and and sebum um so looking at reducing your oils in your diet so um oily foods seed oils those thicker oils are omega-6 omega-6 a high in ingestion of omega-6 will thicken your sebum for 48 hours and so this is where if you do go out and have some cocktails and you're having hot fries and you're having you know really oily food you will see a flare within the next day or two after. which people often comment on it's like i went out for dinner and then it was like automatically or suddenly it just came up and that's yeah, my skin's just out of control today mm-hmm. what's going on you know I, I had a good night out and so um reducing your omega-6 versus increasing omega-3 which is anti-inflammatory again thins the sebum Mm. Um, what other advice do i give people so what, just to go back to oils what would you suggest as an oil then Fish what oil? oils? Mm. Yeah, so fish oils. So it's good to understand that um, fish don't contain omega three. They get it from the algae that they eat. So if you are plant based, you can just buy 
the omega-3 through algae. If you are a fish eater, having um, a sustainable fish oil supplement is absolutely brilliant. And it's probably the one thing I do say to clients, if you do nothing, just take fish oil, you know, you're going to be impacting inflammation. You're going to be thinning sebum, really good for mood, really good for that skin barrier. You typically want to be looking at not the grams of fish oil, but what the fish oil is made up of. So your EPA and your DHA okay. content. So just flick the bottle over. You want EPA around 1,500 milligrams. You want DHA around 1,200 milligrams. And that's a supplement you can dial up and down. So if you are in an inflamed state, whether, again, it be eczema, arthritis, or acne, and it's red and it's hot, you can up your fish oil to about three a day. Then you can pull them back down as you need. Mm. Um good thing to remember is fish oil like all things it, it needs to be part of a bigger idea so omega-3 and omega-6 i think the best analogy is they have one door to get into your body mm-hmm. so if we want to be doing all this omega-3 we need to dial back our omega-6 so we've got more chance of the omega-3 coming mm-hmm. through and talking about western diets i think in america um the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 is 1 to 75 optimal health is one-to-one so yeah yeah heaps heaps to think about there so yeah if you're going to do omega-3 just thinking about the other oils in your diet and pulling them back a little Mm -hmm. bit trying to increase your fish if that's something you eat yeah that's a really easy easy thing to kind of like comprehend and be able to implement as well i feel yeah and i also fish oil is an easy supplement you know it's everywhere it's readily available um Typically, you pay for what you get. So, you know, good quality supplements are a bit pricey. But I think most clients I've worked with, wherever they are, they've been able to access fish oil. Um, So, yeah, something super simple you can do for your skin. It's no secret that your nutrition is a cornerstone to your health. But I believe having optimal nutrition goes beyond just what you eat. And rather, it starts with understanding your body's needs and how to meet them nutritionally. But this means unlearning most things you've been taught your entire life about what it really means to eat well. Which is why I've created a new training, which takes you through the first stages of how to get the most out of your nutrition without changing what you eat. I want to show you how to think, act and behave confident in your nutritional choices so you can step into the vision you have for your health and life. And the best thing about this is it's yours absolutely free. Head over to alanabonneman.com forward slash holistic dash hacks and you can get started right now. So can hormone, can hormone imbalances contribute to adult acne? And if they do, what are some effective ways to balance hormones naturally? So, so hormones would be the biggest thing, I think. Like when you look at acne, I think there's, there's one or two, right? It's digestion or it's hormones. And it's kind of those two that you look at. And so hormonal acne, because hormones are impacted by our gut and gut, it's like it gets so so, so messy. But um, again, I think the best analogy is looking at your hormones like management. So <clears throat> each hormone has a different role on the skin. So thyroid hormones, which um, you know are most likely to be disrupted, you're most likely to have a thyroid episode within the first 12 months of having a baby, I believe. So that can be a big drug with acne. So suboptimal, so low thyroid, is responsible for how fast or how slow things go in the body. So when it's a bit slow, your skin cell turnover is really slow. Your period cycles are a little bit longer. So what we see when thyroid's involved with skin is clients will say stuff like, I've had this pimple on my jaw for weeks now. It's just not going away. It's there for such a long time. I'm oily, but I'm dry. Mm. And it's that whole kind of thyroidy 
picture. <clears throat> so yes, thyroids can impact skin. What do you do about thyroid? Um, thyroid hormones are converted through the gut and in a low stress environment. And so with your cofactors as well. So if you're suspecting it's a thyroid picture, um, poor healing wounds, brittle hair, brittle nails, feeling like it's having a tough time losing weight, inability to cold, pretty gross periods, I would, again, check your thyroid hormones. So I'll go through each one, but again, I'll always just say, just check, because if it's not thyroid, hypo, it's hypo, and we give you a heap of seaweed, we might make things worse. worse. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. The the big ones when it comes to hormones and acne is testosterone. So that's probably the reason for such a prevalence of acne in teens and why men typically have more mm-hmm. severe acne is because of the the role testosterone has in our skin. So testosterone is is amazing and I think it is such an underrated hormone for women. It makes us feel strong, confident. It helps us build lean muscle. It helps us maintain our bone mineral density, our immunity, our libido. But what can happen is when testosterone can kind of run astray or upregulate to a thing called DHT, it increases things like sebum production, hair growth, and hair loss. So what we need to do in that instance, again, you test to make sure it is testosterone. However, side caveat, interestingly enough, though, you can have low testosterone, but what we call patient sensitivity receptor syndrome, where that little bit of testosterone just wreaks havoc. And that's a real genetic component. So if you are experiencing that real classic jawline, lower third of the face where you grow a beard, if you're getting back acne, if it's if you're losing hair around here and here, chances are you're Which is the front of your forehead. Yeah, so and... just, yeah sorry. Yeah, like so your... right in the crown of your hair, head. along the sides of your hair. So where you would see an older man start going bald, those areas indicate that your androgens are probably playing a role. But it doesn't need to be reflected in your bloods. And this is where, again, I go, God, skin is so confusing. So uh, interestingly enough, you know, the diagnostic criteria, side note, of PCOS is having high androgens. And that is high androgens on your blood test or symptoms. So Mm -hmm. if you just have increased hair growth and you have acne on your jawline, androgens are going to be involved. So some really simple stuff is looking at zinc, saw palmetto, nettle tea, licorice, a lot of these guys will block the receptors in the skin and stop that upkick from testosterone to that DHT. Mm. They're not going to lower your testosterone pool and they're not going to do anything if you've already got low testosterone, but they'll just stop that receptor sensitivity in your skin. Mm. Um, Again, check your levels, make sure, see it is testosterone. The other kind of anomalies we get with skin is um, a condition we see called hypothalamic amenorrhea and PCOS. So PCOS um, has insulin resistance, which we talked about earlier, high testosterone production, so a bit of a perfect storm for skin. Hypothalamic amenorrhea is what you would know from maybe friends who have over-exercised, under-eaten, had restrictive eating habits, Mm -hmm. dancers, athletes. So your calorie intake's a little bit low. Um, You can lose your periods and you can also get acne. Um, Another thing, and a lot of mums might have noticed this, you know, they give birth and their skin's looking great. The estrogen starts to drop, they're breastfeeding, they're prolactin, so the hormone that makes milk starts to increase. And so high prolactin also causes acne. Mm. Um, And so then also stress. So again, real perceived stress. Cortisol, increased cortisol, increased sebum, 
increased DHEAS, increased testosterone. Mm. And so again, perfect storm. So thyroid stress hormones, sex hormones, lactating hormones, under eating, uh, PCOS, again, the whole thing all can cause acne. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where, you know, it's like, and, you know, for a lot of clients who you meet, they're like, fuck, I'm just over this. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. And and often blood work's not done correctly or you've checked hormones at the wrong time of your menstrual cycle. And so I think, you know, if you are struggling with really severe skin, do some stalking and understand what bloods do you need because yeah. knowing exactly which hormones it is will save you such a heartache of, Trying, trying this, trying that, yeah. trying that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, and seeing. I was going to say, seeing you sounds like actually the <laughs> the yeah, answer to it. You know, just just being a naturopath and or someone who's specialized know, in it, someone who's a special interest in that specifically as well, because yeah, I think there are so you know, I think you've kind of acquired these like over years, like figuring out exactly okay, what are the right test results we need for you know, well, like to find out exactly what hormones are what is affecting each individual and then going from there. And I think with some conditions in naturopathy, I say to people, you want to see someone who, you know, autoimmune disease, I say, go and see a naturopath who knows autoimmune disease or, um, you know, mental health conditions, go and see a naturopath for that interest because they are, I think, particular conditions and you need to know that relationship and you need to be that detective in the blood work. And someone who's had experience and knows how to actually treat it properly. Otherwise, yeah. you're just running around, trying things, trying things, trying things, and then the end result is, oh, yeah, I saw an naturopath once and that didn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like seeing a doctor once. Like we've said, you know, you see a doctor once and say, well, medicine didn't work. Yeah. It's like, you know, it doesn't quite work. Yeah, so, you know, I think just seeing someone who has an interest in that area because, they've, you know, they'll know and you'll just get better faster because they'll get the background and stuff. That's a nice thing about skin as well. It's like you know when it's getting better. I love oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then it's just like, okay, we are on the rat train. Like it's just yeah. so rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And like when clients, because um, I work online, clients will send me photos before their consults and like a fo- like I'll see a photo file come in and I'm like, because oh, we're going to see if what I'm doing is working here. Like proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. It's like I open them and I'm like, oh, okay. yes. today's going to be a good day. We're yeah. back on track. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Lindsay, you're so full of so much information like it's bursting out like I can just I could sit and talk hours and hours and hours with you about this it's it's so nice I think I need to have you back on actually and maybe go deeper into another you know into a topic about it because it's just there are so many layers to it you know and depending where you're at and what it is for you it's just there can be so much so I guess if there's someone here listening who does struggle with adult acne um, what would what would be the one thing that they could do to improve their health that you could recommend? Improve their skin, I should say. Okay, so what what would I do if if I wasn't seeing a client? They said, "What what can I do for my skin?" I think the biggest thing is to remember that skin is multifactorial, meaning that everything, unfortunately, which sometimes makes it feel a bit overwhelming, everything you're doing will be impacting your skin. So the quality of sleep you have the relationships you have with others and your boundaries, how diverse your diet is, how well you're breaking down and absorbing your nutrients, how much sunshine you're getting, how calm and relaxed you are, how much how much purpose do you have in your life? So while all these things, you're like, how does that impact my skin? 
when you line them all up, they do because our skin reacts to everything. So when we're eating well, when we feel calm, when we're sleeping deeply, when we're feeling nourished in our environment and our relationships, everything typically gets better in the body. You know, and clients might say to me, oh, but my dad had acne. And yes, genetics, right? But epigenetics, right? You can turn those things on and off with a good lifestyle. So I say to clients, if your skin is breaking out, go back to basics and think, what would my grandma tell me if I said I was feeling unwell? She'd say, well, go to bed early tonight. Well, have drink some more really water. warm, drink more water, have some really, make a stew, have some yeah. real warm cooked meaty vegetables, go and rest. You know, it's it's all that stuff as old fashioned as it is. Like that is the basis for good skin. And I often, while it's really fun to get into hormones and what's going on, whenever you talk about hormones or nutrients, it's like, are you calm? Are you chewing and absorbing your food well? Are you sleeping deeply? Because all these things will impact your skin. So before you jump online and find a new skincare supplement, before you want to try a new moisturizer, a new exfoliant, you're thinking about swapping pills or trying Rakutango, um, are the foundations of my health where they doing should be? The, yeah, are you doing the basics of what you can actually yes. do and control in your own day-to-day, in your own life? Yeah. Are they all checked first. Because I think, you know, you could ask anyone in the street and they don't need a health degree. Say to them, what are things you can do that make you healthy? And I guarantee you most people would say, oh, eat fruit, eat vegetables, go to the toilet every day, have a good sleep, get sunshine. Like most people know the foundations of health. So often what I say is just give yourself some time in the day and and write a list. Write a list of everything you know is good for your health. Flossing your teeth, having green tea, drinking enough water and think to yourself, Am, am I doing enough? Before yeah. I start asking for questions, why my skin's breaking out, go, am I doing enough for myself? Tick, am I getting eight hours sleep? Okay, let's do that. Let's get my eight hours sleep. Let's um do my walking. Let's just get moving every day. Let's get yeah. sweating. You know, I think it's just when it comes to skin and the fact it is so multifactorial, if you can just do the basics well. So, and then yeah. dig deeper when, yeah, yes. if things are still yeah. persistent, okay. Yes, that's then you reach out. So, And that's what I say to a lot of clients who, you know, we might be having conversations on social media or, I don't know, mum's group or a house party and we start talking about stuff. I say to them, look, before you see me, just get the basics right. Eat mm-hmm. your protein, get your sun, sleep, think about how much sugar you're having, alcohol. Once you've done all that stuff, reflect mm-hmm. on your symptoms and see what's left. Yeah. The stuff that's left behind is the stuff that we need to address. And that's when you start looking at testing and understanding what those stubborn symptoms are when it comes to skin. Oh, absolutely golden. Thank you, Linz. Where can where can we all find you? Where are you hanging out? I mean, where, where, where am I hanging out? With my kids a lot. <laughs> outside outside <laughs> of that park. Time, so I, yeah, I'll see you at the park. I was reading thing the other day. They said, why don't parks have like cafes and bars? Because so many mums. Have... Anyway, where do I hang out? I'm I'm online. So probably I think Instagram is probably the one channel I talk a lot. So naturopath Lindsay on Instagram or my website, senatio.com.au is another place you can read a bit. Um, yeah, you have a lot of resources there as well, don't you? Yeah, I do. A lot yeah, of your blog posts. And... Yeah. And so often I say to clients again, you want some tips to scroll through my Instagram. There's so much stuff on there. But you also have a book. Advice. You brought out your you launching. Yes. Um, side <laughs> note. <laughs> Where I can we find that? 
Well, it's funny. I wrote it a year ago and it's literally just sitting on my desktop. So um, I will be putting my book up on my website and I'll break it down into modules. So people who, you know, are ready to start doing things about their skin can kind of step their way through the process. Mm. Like I said, build the foundations, work on the yeah. symptoms that's left and do the testing. Yeah. I think just doing that, starting that process, you know, that's the first thing that they can do to start seeing mm. change. Oh, yep, hundred percent. Nice, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for sharing it. Lovely to chat to you. It is. I could, I yeah, it's funny. I could talk about it all afternoon. You know, like it's just really and and I think the interesting thing, and you probably find this a lot, like every health is a really interesting people can connect with, right? Because everyone knows what it's like to not feel great, and so mm. you know the interest with skin is like it, it's on your face. And I often say that to clients: if this was on your thighs or your bum, I probably would have one client a year and that's yeah. probably it so I think just for women you know who are struggling with it you know being mindful that the stress will often make it work and just sometimes looking at what you can control and putting those things in place and starting to empower yourself to know that you can make change to improve your skin and you don't always need to run mm. this kind of band-aid drugs that you can do so much yourself I often think that like although it's like really pulls in the emotions and it can be really hard to have facial acne. I often think it's actually a blessing in disguise because it's your body kind of really putting those red flags right in front of you and you're yeah. kind of forced to address it and 100%. forced to kind of check all those things that you just talked about. So yeah, I get that, the silver lining, I guess. Um, yeah, there is. And, and you know, yeah, symptoms are a signal from your body saying something's not okay. Mm your body trying to tell you something's up and yeah back on the iridology principles I remember when we learned about the iris and we'd look at the weave and a weave that was really tight that would say you're as strong as an ox mm. and the weave that was really open like a daisy you were a more sensitive constitution and the lecturer you know everybody wanted to be the ox and the lecturer said no she's like because the ox will go and go and go and go and then they get really sick she's like the daisy weave is so sensitive to their environment, their body tells them when they're slightly out of track and they can pivot, pivot, mm. pivot, pivot, you know, they can they yeah. can move what they're doing and and they're told when things aren't right. And so, yeah, if there is a silver lining for skin, it's your body telling you something's not right here, like let's investigate. Yeah, that's so powerful. That's so powerful. Yeah. We often see like sensitivity as a weakness, right? But actually can be a superpower. 100%. Thanks so much for being here. You could have been listening to anything, but you're here interested in reclaiming your health. I hope you found the episode useful and constructive. If you enjoyed it and would like to show support for the show, please leave a review as this makes my content more discoverable for other people to enjoy and learn from. Please also consider subscribing to the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. Finally, the best way to show support for the show is by sharing it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Thanks for listening. Be well, and I'll catch you next time.